0: Climate change is killing our beer, what else is new?
1: More details on the story that nobody wanted. The marketability of fucked up beer name. This is It's All Beer. (laughs) Welcome to It's All Beer, the answer to the question, what if there was a news podcast but without any useful information, like all the bile sleaze and bullshit of the regular world, but nothing consequential actually happening. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman, and do we have the podcast for you? (laughs) The good thing about this is that, uh, as the name suggests, uh, it's all beer and that's pretty much inherently meaningless. Uh, But at the same time, the most important thing you're going to do with your day. Uh, I think that says more about uh, you than about us, but uh, there you go. Thanks for tuning in. (laughs) Did, Did he just, like insult his entire audience right off the bat yes yes i pretty much did and they liked it <laughs> Bunch of dirty horse uh tyler you are still for reasons that escape me doing sober october how are how the hell In are you the one that's like uh uh, uh on the wagon well you see like
0: i said last week I hit it really hard up in Montana. And I was like, you know what? I've been
1: hitting it hard a lot. I need a nice little break. And I've already lost like five pounds. I'll bet. Because you're not drinking like 5,000 calories every day. I don't know if it was quite
0: 5,000 calories. I mean, some days, yes. but.
1: <laughs> and so you've got, what did you get? Uh, the Dry
0: and Mighty from Golden State Cider. It is an
1: alcohol-removed cider. All right. So so just to fill in the... For, for those listening, like, wait a minute. You mean a, a fermented cider with the booze removed. So, so apple juice? Yeah, basically. <laughs> I feel like a five-year-old drinking uh, Martinelli's right now. They, they brought me a sample, yeah. and I tried it. I'm like, that is a very long, tortured road for watered-down treetop.
0: Right? Like, <laughs> it, it doesn't taste bad, and, I mean, it is dry, uh, not very mighty, uh, and I'm like, I could have just bought a fucking bomber and Martinelli's
1: for, like, half the price, and... But then you'd have to, the thing I noted about it, noted about it, because I did, they brought me a sample and I'm like, I have to try what a non-alcoholic cider tastes like. I went through the same thing when I bought it today. I was like,
0: I think I know what this is going to taste like because I'm pretty sure I drank it as like a five-year-old, but
1: I got to see. And my my, my, uh, 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 impression of it was, yeah, take Martinelli's, like, Put Martinelli's on the rocks, then wait till that melts, wake up the next morning and then drink it. Yeah. Um, And at first I was
0: like, okay, I'm like, I can't wrap my head around it. Why would you go buy a non-alcoholic cider instead of just buying apple juice or just like a normal apple cider? Like, why are you like, who's spending enough money to justify keeping this business going? And part of me's like, okay, well, I mean, I guess we've talked about how successful Athletic is. It's not really a real beer. It's the non-alcoholic. And then you got hop waters that have been a big trend. And I mean, it's basic, those are basically just LaCroix with some hops added to it. So I'm like, okay, I can kind of see
1: out of all three of those, I think this one makes the least sense. That was kind of my impression because non-alcoholic beer for all of its detriment still sort of tastes like beer, especially what athletic and best day have been doing recently. There, there is the sense of having a beer without having a beer and the hop waters. Well, especially Lagunitas. i not, none of the others have really done much for me. They all taste like watery grass. Lagunitas is still like, uh, exceptionally refreshing, it's, it's getting harder and harder to find, though. <laughs> it's so uh, that one makes sense to me. Not as a, re- I'm not sure it makes sense as an alcohol replacement, but it does make sense as a flavor. It's what you said a flavored water, LaCroix, mm-hmm. which. I, I indulge in now now and again, well, actually, come now that I come to think of it, when I'm avoiding alcohol myself, uh, I will usually have a case of LaCroix because it's something flavorful and not boozy and not sugary. Uh, I would rather have hop water, though, than non-alcoholic
0: beer because I'm like, if I'm not catching a buzz, why am I drinking the calories? Like,
1: That still has like 70 calories. Uh, I'm still drinking beer, not not uh, as much as i normally am i'm i i'm kind of throttling it this month just to for a, kind of for the same reasons but i'm not at the point where i'm calling a full-on uh a, a like two- i said it's sober
0: ish like
1: a hoptober fresh full. i'm probably gonna try some fresh out beers um, I got me the um, Aslan Ecliptic Collaboration, the Leo Rising. It's a 5% porter, straight up porter, no chocolate, no caramel, no marshmallow fluff, no... Damn, those are rare to find anymore. <laughs> it is a very nice porter. It's roasty, It's it, uh, it, on the, it's got the dark chocolate flavor going for a nice roasty bite at the end medium body a touch of caramel in there it's just a very nice porter it's a it's i I feel like it's a it's a nice beer as the weather starts that you want to take home
0: to meet your mother
1: uh this one uh, uh, yeah i would uh, she she can meet the parents yeah i i'm okay i'm okay with that
0: well you only get
1: anal on your anniversary (laughs) i was gonna you know what i was just like it caught me off guard. I'm like, "How is Tyler gonna make this worse? How is Tyler gonna make this worse?" And let me say, sir, you did not disappoint. Nice. <laughs> I get tw- no. Got to live up to expectations. It's, it's twice a year—my birthday and and anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you want a blowjob on one of those days, then you got to pick your battles. Tyler, do you want to kick us off today?
0: Yes. So, climate change is ruining our beers. And you know who's
1: to blame? It uh, depends which I was, news outlet you ask. I was gonna, ch- <laughs> I, I was gonna chime in, but I, I, I really want to see, uh, I, I, you know what? I want to see you. Uh, I want to see your North Idaho cred, like trying to come out. And I, and I saw it. I actually saw like the little like things popping out of your forehead, like just, uh, uh, just for a minute there, you're, you were gonna go full on. It's a Chinese hoax. <laughs> and the uh, and mom pa back home would have been so proud of our hurt their little boy like ah he's finally come back to Jesus,
0: mom pa kettle. Um, <laughs> no, uh, so CNN business I had an article come out talking about how the climate crisis is uh, affecting your hoppy beer. Um, the one downside to this article was they mainly look at hop in uh grown in germany czech republic and Slovenia. so it doesn't quite equate back to the united states but we're at similar latitudinal marks that it's
1: relevant to what the northwest would be experiencing as well i was gonna say the last you some when hop growing regions regions of the world that don't that where a hundred degrees is rare or used to be rare and they are not so much anymore yeah i think it's still relevant in in oregon washington and idaho where the uh, lion's share of the hops of in the united states are grown mm-hmm. so uh
0: hops that are grown in those countries like i said are ripening earlier and producing less Since 1994, Um, hop yields are predicted to decline as much as 18% by 2050 and their alpha acid content uh, could decrease by up to 31% due to the hotter, drier conditions in a new study published by the Journal of Nature Communications. um, What... What really kind of stood out to me is I had already kind of heard rumblings of this, especially for, on like your noble hops, where the alpha acids were becoming so inconsistent due to the climate change uh, that Roy Farms out of Moxie, Washington actually said, well, screw this. We're Breweries around here need these hops. Let's just see if we can create a better one that's grown here in the Northwest uh for Northwest breweries and make it a noble hop-ish for loggers and they created adina hops which is turned out phenomenally fantastic in every beer I've had it. it pairs so well it very much has a little more like modern brightness than a traditional noble hop but very much so like you could see fitting in that noble realm isn't anything out of the ordinary, what you would expect coming off that.
1: Uh, Just to clarify, I don't don't want to throw this out. If you're, uh, I feel like if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know about alpha acids, but in case you don't, that, that's the, the compound in the hops that literally gives you the bitterness factor in the back of the throat. Not so much the hop flavor, but just the pure mathematical bitterness, just that, Uh, that, that, that little bit that, that helps balance the malt. Um, I think it's interesting that for me that, uh, it's, I mean, your noble hops tend to be lower alphas anyway. Uh, they are, they are just, they are just like a, a, a milder hop that are very nice in your traditional beer, like your traditional ales, your traditional lagers, uh, it,
0: yeah but they're also the hops that
1: don't have 30
0: percent to spare
1: this I mean that and they're in and they' in your point which is it which is um there are there are varieties out there they're especially the the newer American ones that are pushing like your average your your average hollerter um, clocks in at somewhere between like five to six uh, Saz can anywhere be between two to five. Uh, mm-hmm. versus something like Citra will will rock uh, 11 to 15, if given the opportunity.
0: Yeah. So. And I wish I knew enough on the math to determine, like, okay, if you have a recipe using saws at 5% alpha acids uh, to hit this IBU on this recipe, like, how much
1: more do you need and show like the economic impact of, it, okay. It pretty much scales up directly. So, so if you've got, so if you got saws that you were, that one year comes in at 5% alpha acids, and then one, and then one year it comes in at three, that is essentially a, uh, a, a 40% drop. 40%, yeah. And so you're going to need 40% more uh, in, Okay. in the very, it scales up pretty much directly. Uh, depending on, I mean, you, it, it, it's, a, it's a mathematical equation that takes the alpha acids and the boil time, and then that gives you IBUs, and that's how you get the number you're trying to hit, which on the small scale doesn't really affect much. But if you are brewing several thousand barrels a year, uh, the difference between 5% alpha acids and 4% is a shit ton of hops. Especially considering... The
0: cost of shipping those hops over from where they're grown traditionally has gone up. Your, your other cost of goods has gone up. The price is not as cheap. So now adding more in, plus it's going to take longer in cold crashing or filtering uh, or finding stages to get that beer clean with the extra vegetal matter inside that beer now. And I mean, traditionally on your lagers and your pilsners, that clarity is a big key component of
1: it. I do wonder if this will make the hop-derived products like hop oil, especially hop oil in the case of just pure uh, alpha acids, more attractive As Mm -hmm. you'll, because the other problem is if you're adding more hops, you're also adding just more shit. The more, well, not shit. Don't throw shit in there. Uh, That's an official stance of mine. But you're just adding more vegetal matter, more leafy stuff (laughs) that affects the flavor. And so, in order to control that, I wonder if you're going to see more. And also, not to mention, uh, as you uh, the transportation costs of of hops to uh to to have them processed at a facility near the hop farm where they make hop oil or hop extract or one of those things uh i feel like it's <sighs> going to become more attractive as as a you they become cheaper to do cheaper to uh ship and by the way more consistent uh, you have that extra layer of control in it any and t- any uh part of the brewing process whenever you can leave less up to chance and have more control over what happens in the final product, the better.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or if you're finishing up the batch that you had from of hops that you had from last year at 4% and the new batch you got from this year comes in at three, that's a lot of math figuring out what you're going to do.
1: And you went into and- and you brewers wouldn't... are
0: just like normal people. They don't want to do that much
1: work. I was about to say that they, they became brewers to avoid doing shit like math. <laughs> they want... um,
0: but one of the things that really kind of caught my attention on this article is they talked about how the raising temperatures have already shifted the start of the hop growing season by 13 days for, between 1970 and 2018. Um it so your hops typically start to grow in the spring, uh, but since 1995, they found it's happening earlier and earlier each year in regions they've analyzed. Um, which, if it starts growing earlier, that means it's going to need harvested earlier, which could lead to issues with the heat while you're harvesting. Making sure you have the equipment available if you're leasing it at the right time, competing with other crops that are getting harvested around that time,
1: I shouldn't think that would be a problem because there are very few. in fact, I don't think any the equipment you need to harvest tops are extremely specialized. I shouldn't think you would you you, you might run into issues getting them if the if the the uh, the changing in in temperature basically condenses the, 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 the harvest into a smaller window to make it, to make them more, uh, to to make them, uh, to, to get a better product on the other side. But I shouldn't think the other crops are competing with it. I don't think. Am I wrong? Is there, do you use a top cutter for anything else? Uh, I think top cutter, no, but
0: the trailer's hauling. Okay. Um, and also the manual labor needed if it's also typically it's an unskilled labor so if a corn farmer is willing to pay more and they're harvesting at the same time can start running into that or whatever crop may be harvesting around that same period
1: i've seen the uh, i've seen beer labels a uh a, a hop trailer is just an old truck with like two wooden slats built on a V <laughs> usually with yeah. some, with some old and it's usually like a vintage truck, like 1950s style, like a hundred thousand dollar truck. right yeah. now. Yeah. 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 That that's what well, that's that, that is what happens out in the hop field in my mind, just vintage, <laughs> vintage trucks with shitty slats and just driving up and down to bring us beer.
0: Yeah, uh, they also brought up how since most of the hops are grown in kind of clustered regions, if a severe drought or long extended heat waves, you run the risk of a major debt in the supply chain because everyone's experiencing that. Or a couple of years ago when we had the real bad wildfires uh, where there was some smoke taint coming through on some hops and fresh hop season was a little rocky.
1: That was a rough season. I remember the, uh, fresh hop season being pushed back because of the supply issues. And a lot of the regular releases, just not releasing because the hops they had were just garbage and they couldn't get the hops they wanted. And so they elected to skip them. Mm-hmm.
0: I was going to say, I, I feel like Fremont was kind of the most notable one who That's was funny. like, no, no yeah.
1: we can't, we can't use these. Yeah, I remember Uh, that one was, that was a little heartbreaking. Yep.
0: Um, But, curious to see if, and I don't think at the end of the day, if alpha acids do start taking a sharp decline, if the end consumer will really notice anything, I think it's mainly going to be Brewers or people adapting away from the traditional noble hops and just going. If we can find one that's grown here, or yeah, all the hops are starting to drop in alpha acid now. Cascade is sitting where we need it. We're just going to start using this.
1: I mean, they might uh, the the consumer might notice as as the uh, the 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 required hops goes up, it starts affecting the amount a pint, but. Although hops is – I think as – I read a few articles about this, and as one article noted, uh, I'm not sure this is true, but I think the idea is sound where it says – where they said the hops are still cheaper than the bottle cap on the bottle.
0: Oh, I can believe that.
1: I, I That struck me as a li- – well, depending on – depending, I guess, on the beer, you can, you can quickly go down – you can quickly spend an, a, a <laughs> stupid amount on top, on hops, but – Packaging yeah. packaging remains, in, in especially in craft beer, you are essentially buying the can and the beer inside is just free. a bonus. Yeah. Yeah. You're paying for a can with a cool
0: label and a top on it. <laughs> uh, we'll give you the beer for free if you just
1: pull it off the shelf.
0: <laughs> uh, Jeremy, what do we got next?
1: More on the story that nobody wanted news now. <clears throat> uh while while we have been gone, the fallout has continued over the Bud Light controversy, or what people in the local at the local Budweiser distributor just simply call the event. I they still they <laughs> listen. These men are uh, they they have seen some shit. They have seen some shit, <laughs> and <laughs> they 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 look like people who just came back from Iwo Jima, uh, or rather. <laughs> Or rather, the stories have not stopped coming out about it. As, as far as like actual developments, here and there, uh, uh, something has happened, but mostly just people rehashing the same thing. What does this mean? What does this mean for Budweiser? What does this mean that Modelo is now the biggest? Blah 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 blah. But um, I did find a couple of interesting things. First, the Guardian did a bit of reporting. I know old school journalizing from the Guardian. Who knew? <clears throat> and and they got rid of all those there's there's still one rebel there that's uh that's like talking with people doing interviews and writing it hasn't got a
0: paycheck in years but they (laughs) just haven't haven't been able to (laughs) locate him in that building
1: can't get rid of it it's like he's like the guy with the stapler in office space (laughs) Uh except for you know doing journalism um through, so the same. through some interviews with those who were actually working at uh Bev at the time, they were able to get a better sense as to what was actually happening inside the company while everyone lost their goddamned mind. Now, what we find out is mostly what we already knew, or at least what we suspected already. Uh, uh, Bud Light blundered into a situation they should have seen coming, got scared, shot themselves, and ran away crying while mumbling something about Merica. Uh, but what the guardian did gives us a little more of an exact timeline and, and also like mentions people who were involved or who weren't, uh, what, what actually happened, how bad it got and how bad they got fucked in from what direction. Now, of course it started with Alicia Heronshad after she got promoted to vice president of marketing. Uh, it was the, this, this was well known the, it was the first time a woman has ever held that role and guessing from where we are now, probably the last for a while, but at the mm-hmm. time, it was seen as a change that Avery desperately needed. Uh, she appeared on the Make Yourself at Home podcast and uh, right at the beginning of 2023 and told them, quote, I had a really quick, clear job to do when I took over Bud Light, and it was, this brand is in decline. It's been in decline for a really long time, and if we do not attract young drinkers to come and drink this brand, there will be no future for Bud Light. Um, and step one, as far as she was concerned, was uh, updating the marketing to make it, quote, lighter, brighter, and more inclusive. Again, none of this is new, but where it starts getting a little bit more uh, exact, regardless of how you feel about this, I think it's pretty clear this did not go as she planned. But, fun fact, I sort of knew this, but, not, but didn't really process it. This was not the first time Dylan Mulvaney partnered with Bud Light. Really? I, think, I think it was clear And a lot of people brought up that Bud Light At least on the surface Was working with LGBTQ uh, groups For quite some time But it, but uh, but what was not brought up that Was that back in February A full month before the Mod- March Madness post uh, She did a 60 second video Where she sipped a beer and blue bubbles In a bubble bath With a, tag, a hashtag Bud Light partner uh, This more or less Flew under the radar As just one of Hundreds of similar posts done by uh, by by influencers all over the all over the landscape. Um, and didn't really raise any eyebrows. Mostly restricted to the people who followed Dylan Mulvaney at the time. Uh, March Madness rolled around, and Bud Light went to captivate. That's a company that's captive, but with the number eight on it, uh, because. And of course it is. They are a marketing agency that, uh, basically acts as a, as a, uh, an agency for influencers. So of course they threw a number, they actually threw a number where words should be. Um, the, the whole idea, uh, on what, on what they wanted to do was rigorously discussed and it was as produced as any movie, um, captivate, uh, and Bud Light wanted to target the LGBTQ community. And part of their desire was... It was part of their desire to be more inclusive. Uh, and that community was an obvious necessity. They, they wanted somebody uh, to partner with them. And they actually considered Renee Rapp first. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her. I sure as hell am not. Not a fucking clue. She is a bisexual actress and singer. Uh, again, not familiar, but... She, Mulvaney was quickly tapped for the role. I'm sure, uh, come April, Renee Rapp, uh, uh, breathe the sigh of relief. Lights, camera, <laughs> and then, well, you know, if you, if you don't know, go back, listen to previous episodes. First of all, how is your rock? It must mean, it must be nice. <laughs> the, the hate farmers went viral. Bud light turn turtle with the not unreasonable assumption that all of this would just blow over in a day or two. Um, although one former employee described the uh, following days at AB InBev Bev quote, we didn't hear anything from leadership for over a month. And then after a few weeks, someone high up at Anheuser Busch released a statement that pretty much said nothing. And the statement, I think, you know what they're referring to. Um, uh, I hope someone will dig this up someday in the far future after everything else has been forgotten. The the the, the, the statement that the Anheuser-Busch CEO, Brendan Whitworth, put out, um, and I hope it's recognized as the most aggressively corporate statement ever l- released on God's great earth. It was almost a poem of bullshit. It was a masterwork of dumbassery. It was more tone deaf than my little boy when he tries to sing. And that kid does not understand what tone is yet. And you know what? (laughs) I think he could have written a better response. I think my son, Declan, who three, could have come out, babbled a little bit. It would have been mostly scribbles in different color with something that vaguely resembles a spiked oval somewhere. But it would have done less damage. And while Anheuser-Busch was very busy smearing their feces with their uh, uh, their faces with their own corporate feces, the hate farmers had dug up Alicia Herringshod's name um, uh, from both from the aforementioned podcast and the fact that she was listed as VP of marketing. And it was actually the the the, the hate farmers themselves that threw her under the bus. Now, to be clear. It seems like AB InBev didn't even have the stones to throw her under the bus themselves. They were just sitting on the bus, paralyzed with fear, until a bunch of illiterate imbeciles threw her under the bus. They heard the bumps and said, Yeah, that's for the best. <laughs> to quote an ex employee about the whole situation quote, Alicia and was blamed for all of this when she had nothing to do with it. She came into this role, and all of this strategy was previously established by men who were previously working in those positions. The employee went on to praise how much she tried to do for uh, other employees in terms of ad- advocating for her team, saying, quote, she was like a mother at, at the company. Um, and that employee also mentioned Burnet Garb, or Garbe, I'm not sure how you pronounce the name. Uh, that was yeah. the company's chief marketing director who, as one employee described, doesn't really understand a lot of political battles in the U.S., Although he seemed to understand enough to strike down a proposed campaign to market Australia Jalisco to uh, uh, Latino drinkers in the U.S., uh, they struck down that campaign, fearing backlash from, quote, conservative wholesalers. Um, and also, uh, hey, Bernat, you know what the best-selling beer in the U.S. is right now? How's that feel? P- pretty good? The, <laughs> the The whole thing... the 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 interviews basically point to this as ab's mo um a company run by a bunch of old white guys who are terrified of everything um and it and i I mean uh, alicia Herrenshaw really like got the the impression was that she was this person who came into this job and was just like a loose cannon giving work to trans people and ruining everything when First of all, she was put in that position to, to do exactly that. And, and she wasn't so much the one who instigated it as she was just the person facilitating it, which is, that's at least that's kind of the, uh, the, the, the impression you get from the employee interviews. Um,
0: I mean, to me, this has always seemed like she was a great scapegoat when she brought up doing this or someone brought up doing this and they're, she was like, "Oh yeah, let's do this." They were like, "Yeah, let's do this." Because if it goes sideways,
1: we're putting it all on you. Well, the, the, what you get the impre- what you get the impression from the interviews is that, I mean, it really wasn't even her idea. This was something higher up that said, "Yeah, we you know we want to do a we want to get one of those influencer people to do something for the for the gay people and yeah and that went to C- captivate who. Again, they it sounds as scripted as any movie. They just basically cast a role, and as far as Shad's, uh involvement, how much of that was her input is sort of uh, is is sort of uh, sort of unclear. But what it makes it sound like is that at best she was the person's, like she was a signatory. She was putting her name mm-hmm. on it, like yes, do this. Um. At this point, I'm a little more sympathetic to Budweiser's position uh, and more baffled by their response at the same time. More sympathetic that, although the signs were there, I think given all that happened, or rather did not happen previously, especially with uh, partnering with Dylan Mulvaney before, I think that level of backlash was not foreseen. But more baffling because this was the plan. I, I, I think when the whole thing blew up, Everybody assumed that again, this was like some wild card idea that didn't work. And the answer is no. This this was the th- this was a corporate plan from all the way up to the corporate ladder, dictated all the way down. This wasn't some cockamamie scheme dreamed up by some blue hair lib who scammed her way into corporate America, as the hate farmers would love you to believe. This was the plan, and Hershaw was just there trying to you know to promote move the plan forward sure that's that's the, that and so the fact that this was the plan and it backfired it's mystifying to me that someone didn't come out and defend their position um i was going to say i think that's from every time we've talked like
0: that was our biggest knock on ab is when the ceo came out Honestly, I think if he would have doubled down and been like, no, this is a drink that can be enjoyed by everyone. We want to support people feeling comfortable. If you don't want to do that, you have that right to not do that.
1: But, well, I think we, we were talking about this uh, way back when, and I was you know, kind of ruminating on what would have happened if they had stood their ground, especially when it came to like Miller Coors. And their uh, previous history with the uh, with the LGBTQ community, um, I think you had mentioned something like, "Yeah, but they're corporate. They're gonna. They're, they're not going to. Uh, you know, they're when they've got something that's blowing up in their face, they're not going to defend someone who was, uh, um, you know, who was kind of working, you know, off to the side." But the what 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 kind of drilled into me was like. This was like signed. This was signed and sealed all the way to the top, and so uh, I mean, I understand why. I understand the corporate uh, the the corporate uh, uh, urge to just again throw somebody on the bus. But as I mentioned, it didn't even sound like they threw under the bus. Uh, she just ended up under the bus, and they were just kept on driving. Um, the The interesting thing is thing, things went silent until June when Whitworth appeared on CBS to basically do on camera, what he so masterfully did in print. Um, It was, (laughs) it was, if if you haven't seen, if you haven't seen the clip, um, basically imagine a softball morning show host interviewing a venting can of Axe body spray. That's, that's what it was. (laughs) It was, it was just a cloud of stinky bullshit. Um, meanwhile, behind <laughs> meanwhile behind the scenes, AB, AB employees were concerned about Mulvaney's welfare uh, during this whole thing. One recalled talking to her boss saying, um, you know, uh, talking to her boss saying, hey, do we, have we heard from her? And hearing, quote, yes, don't worry about it. We're constantly talking to her. Um, Whitworth came out and did whatever the fuck he did. And... Mul- That prompted Mulvaney to come out and say that she had been stalked, afraid to leave the house, quote, I was waiting for the brand to reach out to me, but they never did. For a company to hire a trans person and not publicly stand by them is worse, in my opinion, than not hiring a trans person at all. And the only other development since then, here's an important one. So The Street reported on October 4th that Post Malone, Uh, He still stands by Bud Light. He's not all that concerned about what Kid Rock thinks. Post Malone still stands by Bud Light, which, yeah, I'm sure he does, for the same reason a leech will stay attached to someone's crotch, no matter what kind of asshole they turn out to be. Post Malone is music what Explosive Diarrhea is the painting. That's what I'm saying. Meanwhile, Dylan Mulvaney, who I've come to realize is a much bigger deal in certain circles than I have ever known— she is taking her experience and using that to advise corporate America on how to engage with trans people better. Uh, she appeared at the Forbes Chief Marketing <laughs> Officer Conference uh, to give a talk about her experience and what what and what she and others can learn from it. Um, fun fact: uh, it, uh, I was reading reading in about this. Uh, she earned two million dollars last year from deals like AB and Bev, uh, which oh. by the which by the way. That the the March Madness thing, the one that started off with all this, that one paid her between five and six figures. Now it is that vague. That's that's what the Guardian reported was a a number between five and six figures. But on the lower end, Damn. five figures to do a one minute video, that's ten thousand a minute. I, I was gonna say that's not
0: bad living, man.
1: <laughs> she made the. Forbes top 50 creator list, a list of people that I am happy to say I am completely ignorant of not a single person on that list. Was I aware of because for me, social media is a bit like a a colonoscopy. Yeah, I do it when it's necessary, but it's painful, embarrassing. And I prefer to be drugged up at the time. And on on that note, you can find us at it's all beer on Facebook, and Instagram. (laughs) Um, uh, Mulvaney says she would still like to do a beer commercial, and she uh, uh, she was talking on the on the Forbes um, on the Forbes conference, uh, describing what she would want to do. She describes a trans woman on the opposite side of a saloon as a famous cowboy walks in. They zoom in on their respective high heels. You know her her high heels and his boots. I'm assuming they crack a beer together. Um, There's room in this town for us to have a beer together. A bit on the nose, but. You know what? No one's paying me two million dollars for this shit. So, uh, you do you, I guess. He on the nose. Obviously, you're doing something right because two two million fucking dollars. I do not understand our economy. I do not. It's all made up, and it's all a scam. <laughs> Which I think is a I think is a great way to I I I don't know how much more there is. To, of uh, this story to mine. I don't know how much more we want to mine. Ideally, this is the last we ever mention it. Although I have this feeling that something will we'll, we'll have to cycle back around at some point in time. Uh, at least, at least every time I go looking for a new story, there's yet another update as to what's happening. And the answer is nothing's happening. They're just they're just flogging that dead horse a little bit more. But uh, I th- I think it's all made up and it's all bullshit. I think is pretty much a great summary of it.
0: Oh, yeah, I was gonna say, um, everyone overreacted and got their panties in a bunch because uh, some person that gets paid a lot of money to do social media drank their beer. I
1: I I think the I, I think the um the 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 interesting thing, the most interesting thing, is the extent to which the panties bunched. Uh, this was, I think. If this were physical panties bunching, you would have been able to uh, 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 track it on a seismograph. <laughs> that is, I think, the fascinating thing about it. It would have caused it. it there would have been fatalities. In a, <laughs> <laughs> I, and I don't know what that would look like, but uh, I want. I'm gonna. I'll spend the evening with ChatG or not ChatG. The like uh, the the oh the Dolly. Uh, thing and see yeah. if I can't and see if I can't uh, get it to draw death by bunched panties and if I manage to do that I'll post it. <laughs> but only you for, go. But only for two million dollars. Tyler, what's next? Well, first I
0: don't think you're going to be posting it then. Uh, <laughs> uh, next, I ran into this article from VinePair that went the most unpopular beer opinions according to Reddit. And I was like. That sounds dumb enough that it'll fit this podcast. Um, so I figured we'd work our way through this list and see if we agree or uh, want to have
1: a rebuttal with these beer opinions. These are the most hated beer opinions. So you, I'm assuming that thus meaning that they are are assumed to be incorrect or just douchey. Yeah, kind of. Okay. Uh, first one. Pliny the younger
0: isn't worth the
1: line uh highly disagree we had it on this podcast and i went into it with my cynical soul all all ready to like drink it and go it's a good beer but meh but there is something what? special about that beer it it is a unique ipa experience i don't know if i'd wait a full day in line i but think, i mean Give me like two hours. In that instance, the line is part of the experience. You are, it's, it's a mini Woodstock. You're going, Mm -hmm. the, the standing in line with, with. yeah, standing in line with a bunch of your fellow beer geeks is part of the fun, so to speak. So uh, even, even that sort of makes sense to me. I don't think I would do it because I, yeah, but I under, but I understand the draw.
0: Um, next one, stout season doesn't exist. So it goes on to further extrapolate, unless a beer is made with a specific seasonal ingredient, the beer is not technically a seasonal, seasonal beer. Uh, A lot of people will say, oh, stout—that's that's that's a wintertime beer.
1: That's a, that's, that, that is a, an opinion that is hated. So I'm guessing that, that 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 means like most people do uh, a feel uh, a feel seasons are seasonality to their beer choices. Yeah, but I'm going to agree with this person that, you know, stout season
0: doesn't exist. Like you can if you want a stout drink a fucking
1: stout in the middle of summer like I do. I would I think reality when it comes to buying habits. Suggests there is a seasonality to it. You're right. There are people, and I yes. and I will carry a stout in the middle of summer for just these people. Uh, there are people who will slam down a 10% bourbon barrel beige imperial stout when it's 110 degrees outside, sweating like a pig, and do so very happily. I don't understand those people, but I will sell them a beer. That's because I'm a... <laughs> what? I've started
0: bringing up to people when I'm doing like an event and they're like, why do you have a stouter or porter here? It's, it's the summer. And I go, what I've started dropping on people is I've taken the final gravity of our finished product and then taken the final gravity of just a standard Starbucks black coffee. Okay. And they're like, stouts are just so heavy and thick. And I go, oh, well, do you drink coffee? And they're like, yeah, every day. And I'm like, that is thicker based on specific gravity than this beer is. So it is in your head. You are telling yourself you can't drink this. That's why you think it's thick and chewy. It is lighter than a coffee. And once I tell people that and I give them another sample, they're like, I'm like, so think of it like you're drinking a nice coffee right now.
1: And they're like, oh yeah. No, I I could I could drink this. Um I mean I I I seasonally crave porters and stouts more for cold weather. And you can tell me that it's it is a it is a construct in my head to which I'll apply all of reality is a construct in our heads. Let yes. me enjoy my <laughs> fucking beer. <laughs> Nothing to me nothing uh, the there i will give it this the one of the uh, during the summer uh camping late at night when it's starting to get a little bit cold nothing tastes better than imperial stout by the fire mm-hmm. you know so it does have its place during the summer but i i, I also am I, I i i drink seasonally and i understand i understand why people would want to do that and but if you don't if if you choose to have a stout in the middle of summer good on you it is a, uh next, it's a shame that you can't find a good porter midsummer though i will say that
0: yeah i was gonna say i feel like you can't hardly find a good or just a porter in general true um next one which i'm curious to see your reaction
1: modello is trash i love modello I that's my I mean, that's my go-to domestic. It's not a domestic, but it's the close it's the clo- and I've said this many times. I'm like I I will I will demolish a 20 pack of Modelo and and be very happy with my decision. Where the fuck are you buying a 20 pack? At the grocery stores? They I guarantee they do not sell a fucking 20 pack or something. I think it's 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 an odd amount. 18. Okay, 18. All right. It's been It's a always while. by
0: okay. increments of six. You fucking imbecile. We went over an
1: article about that on this fucking podcast. Whatever. And I, I, I will still demolish them. Um, I, I'm indifferent. I could
0: take or leave Modelo. It's. I mean, if, if it's there, I'll drink one. If it's not, I'll
1: drink something else. If Modelo caught fire and was in in you know. I, well, first of all, I would say someone send a, a, an investigation tee to A and B and because this this seems like a hit job. But, and I would be slightly sad, but it wouldn't break my heart. Um, next one is three point five percent ABV
0: is the sweet spot, like ideal ABV.
1: I'm so that's that is a that is an opinion that is loathed. Uh, according to this, it got a shitload
0: of downvotes. Like, it was an unpopular opinion
1: because they p- people think that it should be higher. I uh, just are you it, pe- people are just pissed off because I I I think a, a sweet spot for a beer is three point five percent, and the internet said. Ah! Yeah. Is that what basically, basically happened? Okay. <laughs> Some were like, no, it needs to be three. Some were like, no, it needs to be five. It needs to be I will say this. Um, as I'm getting older, uh, I, I am enjoying brewing and drinking lower ABV beers than I ever thought I would enjoy when I was younger. Um, one of my favorite beers to brew right now is a Scotch Light that comes in at 2.7%. It's a true all day drinker. Uh, I can come home, slam two or three of them and not, it's almost a non-alcoholic beer. You start to get a buzz, but it's also a nice flavorful beer that has all those qualities and you don't get fuckered up. So I, I'm not sure about the sweet spot being 3.5%, but I will say I'm appreciating lower ABV.
0: Uh, Same here. What would you say your sweet spot ideal ABV?
1: I, it's hard to say I mean I guess um, I, uh, it depends it, I guess I don't think about it like that I I guess I guess when, I, when I'm thinking about building a beer it all depends on styles but I guess oh I would say I would I would inch like I think most beers probably find their sweet spot in and around the 4.5 to 5.
0: Yep. I was thinking the same thing when I saw this. I was like, three fives too low. It's gonna be too light for what I want. I think that four and a half up to that five. That is the sweet spot.
1: I think you get. I think you can get a great variety of of really flavorful things at that. I, was, I hadn't really thought about it until just this point. Uh, so that's kind of a hot take. But yeah, I think that's where I would put it. Yep. Uh, next one. Uh,
0: 90% of IPAs and 98% of hazy IPAs are undrinkably terrible, and many people who drink them agree, but don't know enough to know they have choices that aren't <laughs> watery adjunct loggers. so they stick to the trendy name
1: knowing they're covering shit brewing with excessive overhopping. I have I, I I have heard that uh, from I have I have heard that op- uh, opinion uh, 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 shouted very loudly and I in my opinion my retort is whatever dude yeah I was like
0: who cares it's if you don't like IPAs don't drink them like that's the fun part about craft beer is it has a style for everyone I will... there is a flavor profile for everyone. Except for smoothie
1: sours, let's fucking burn those at the stake. I will say this. I do think there was a point in craft beer, when you're talking about IPAs, that there was an element of, like, Buffalo Wild Wings masochism going on. When they were just, like, like unzipping and just, It's got a thousand IBUs. You can't taste anything after you drink it. That, I think, was getting a little bit excessive. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, also, I would say there
0: was a time when, you know, hazies were first coming out where there was a lot of bad hazy IPAs coming through.
1: There still are. Yeah. There's still, there's still a bunch of brewery. It's gotten less. I'm happy to say that those that the breweries that kind of came out and said, okay, we just won't filter our IPA. See, it's hazy. Are all our IPAs are hazy? I didn't know that was popular. And most of them have kind of, retreated back to doing whatever the hell they're doing. And, and you've got more or less better ones, but every once in a while you get uh, like, Oh, it's a hazy IPA. That is, Oh, it's a West coast that you just brewed badly. God, chunky, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, that's there's that, that, uh, that generalization is not without merit in certain, in certain, in certain instances, but like any broad general generalization, it's bullshit. But again, and my retort to that is, all right. <laughs> uh, and that was the last one.
0: Right. Uh, I the biggest one I disagreed with was the three and a half. Uh, or actually, probably the last one.
1: Yeah. That
0: all, basically all IPAs are undrinkable. Uh,
1: I I, I but once, I once do had someone... stand
0: by that there
1: is no such thing as Stout Season. Drink it whenever you want. Uh, I did. Ha- I, I did remember t- talking to somebody who, when I told them what I uh, did for a living, they uh, basically spun this bizarre conspiracy theory that craft beer was nothing but a bunch of people pretending to like beer when they really didn't. And to which I guess my response was, "That's a lot of effort. A lot of people putting in to do something they don't like to upset you, <laughs> right?" Like, you think you matter so much that we all got together. We're, we were all just gathering in our beer bars going, this sucks, I hate it, but we're sticking it to that dude. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's essentially... And then you the- ask what they do for a living, and they're
0: like, oh, I'm unemployed, and you're like, there we go. <laughs> I, they, uh,
1: I don't know what they did for a living because I... Don't I can't I can't remember their name or anything about them other than that and that slightly irritating conversation <laughs> that <laughs> that I hadn't thought about again until just this moment <laughs> and now you're you seem a little upset <laughs> not really I've kind of I, I I'm I'm more upset about the idea that that seasonality is not a thing but I also don't care enough to. It
0: didn't say seasonality is not a thing. I think because the person said we should almost do away with, like, seasonality of drinking styles of beer that don't necessarily have seasonal ingredients. You know what? should be done away you know
1: with? Cool, dude. I uh, uh, open a brewery and come out with your se- your summer stout and see how it does in the market. It, it might be wrong. I might be wrong. It might. It might fly off the shelves be one of those weird things that people just gravitate. Oh my god, it's a summer stout. It's awesome. It's light. It's super so drinkable, it's still a stout. I love it. I don't think so, but you know what? do. Do that. Someone do that if you if you are so if that if the idea of like seasonal drinking so offends you. <laughs> Jerry, what have we got next? Uh, Tyler how many like fucked up beer names can you think of like off the top of your head? Uh, Like when, when we're talking fucked up, how are we describing that? I I, I mean, the things that come to mind, well, among the ones that comes to mind uh, uh, was like the vast deference from, uh, I think that was, was that Ninkasi or was that Oakshire? Might've been, I can't remember, but that was one of those like, how did that get past the TTP? Um, a, thir- you know, a tactical nuclear penguin comes to mind. You drawing a blank on me?
0: <laughs> I, I mean, I know the beers you're talking about. It's uh,
1: the, I don't think I've paid any those, mind to fucked up beer names. Just uh, the they're, they're kind of random quirky ones like... Pretty much anything in revisions line up from Sparkle Muffin to Disco Ninja to to uh, 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 I think you know at some point in time a lot of the the like the IPAs look like something spat out by a random word generator, uh, yeah. which, which is actually not a I've I've used I I think I came up with that theory with somebody but I got like a three word random number name generator and was starting to pump out really good IPA names actually. <laughs> But in true academic fashion, a research team went digging uh, to figure out why craft beer especially had, as they put it, uh, more quirky names than most your average products. Because um, we're petulant children. Uh, and what function it served. Um, and this comes from the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee report by Chris Perweek. Um, Stanislav Debrov. A professor at the uh, Lubar College of Business examines several different craft beers. Sounds like a nerd. (laughs) Yes. All of everybody involved in this story is a gigantic nerd, Tyler. Make peace with this. Suppress your frat boy instinct to scream, nerd, and punch him in the head. Just (laughs) get through this with me, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Do a keg stand really fast if you have to, but just let's get through this. I'm not drinking, Jeremy. (laughs) That's probably – that's why you're so hostile. Um, They examined several different craft beers and categorized them via just how the name was likely to appeal. Um, In the article – I mean, and, and then specifically dividing them amongst, like, names that invoke positive emotions and negative emotions. In the article, they mentioned, like, Sunny Little Thing by Sierra Nevada, Mountain Standard by Odell, and happy place by uh, Third Space as names that conjure up like positive emotions, uh, you okay, know, I ma- can see that. mountain rivers, good times, that kind of thing. Contrast contrast that to names that conjure up negative emotions. Examples given, actually, Voodoo Ranger by uh, by New Belgium, uh, Deadhead IPA from Distill, Head by Three Floyds. Uh, either quirky references oh, the Deadhead death. like. Deadhead. Death. It's talking about the Grateful Dead. Are you a Grateful Dead fan? Have you listened to the Grateful Dead? I have listened to them. I'm not a big are you, Grateful Dead are fan. You still, but I, to work them. <laughs> I work with one. I work with one. And if, and has he made you like like oh, it's a new concert every time, man? It's it's enough to make you go a little crazy. I, <laughs> yeah, but most people who are, if you're buying that beer, you're probably
0: somewhat of a fan of the Grateful Dead. Most people look at the Grateful Dead who are fans of them with a lot of positive emotions. So I'm calling
1: bullshit on that one. Okay. But I'm nitpicking right now. Yeah. Uh, uh, But their data set was essentially Olive Beer Advocate from 1996 to 2012. 42. Could you imagine being the schmuck who had to go through all those fucking entries 42,000 beers and over a million reviews um and after going through those what they did find was that beers that carry a uh, carry a name that has more negative connotations and i think they're very loose on like positive or negative like it's not it, we're not talking about nightmare brewing which i think is like the extreme on one yeah. side i mean they're just thinking like uh i think and anything i can in, but like Reno. Like, I think Reno is fuck uh, goes into negative. Yeah, it's Reno a, is fuck,
0: yeah.
1: it well, Reno is by the you know, Reno itself is I think qualifies, but Reno is fuck with the uh, it you know, fuck is a harsh word in some circles, I'm a, I am led to understand. Uh, but names or images of like death, pain, or just confusing surreality. That's where gumball head comes in, just like it's not really like a bad, it's just like, why did you call it gumball head? That's weird. Uh, I think that qualifies under, like, negative. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, versus, like, happy positive names. Mountain streams, relaxing beach days, everything's cool, you know. Um, They're for bro culture. Yeah. And what they found was that the ones that carried a the, – the, with the more negative connotations did slightly better in overall reviews. Now, why is that? Now, here's the thesis. It all comes down to the idea that people, especially people who seek out craft products, are turned off by and, in fact, a little bit hostile towards mass producers. They actually have a name for it in marketing. It's called Oppositional Craft Markets, uh, which is – the phenomenon they were actually studying. And it turns out craft beer is pretty much the definition of it, or especially, especially was like in the early days when they were studying, which is to say the late nineties to the early teens uh, to quote Don Brev quote, it's all tied to social identities, which is why sociologists like me are interested in it. The same effect will be observed whenever there are strong cognitive identities, especially when they're oppositional professional sports is a good example. When there's a heated rivalry, and in the case of craft <laughs> beer, it all comes down to authenticity. Um, evoking fun, happy times is something the big guys do. Budweiser, Coors, you know, drink this beer. The, the chicks will like you. You'll be on a beach with Snoop Dogg. You know, every if all you have to do is drink this beer and you'll be uh, beautiful, popular, and you'll get sex, which is inherently suspect. Meanwhile, throwing something on the label that's a little bit fucked up proved, in kind of a Gen X hipster way, that you don't care about conventions and you're you don't care about trying people, people like get people to like your beer based on the label, which conversely sells your beer. I think the South South Park episode where Cartman tried to keep everyone out of his amusement park and and, and accidentally made it a huge success. That kind of factor yeah. in play. <laughs> that no 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 we put we put like a picture of a guy being beheaded on the can, like. Or I mean, or also Stone's entire marketing in the in the in the late '90s and early 2000s. Yes, you won't like this. We're a bunch of assholes. Like they are a bunch of assholes. I will drink this beer. Oh, that tastes like like a rusty oil can. Oh, have another. <laughs> I really arrogant bastard may in fact be a, a proof of what you are talking about in your story. We're like this is awful, but it says arrogant bastard. I hate it. I love it. But I'm an arrogant bastard. Um, <laughs> uh, a, big co- a big company would never put something kind of fucked up on the label. Uh, that would put people off. But it's exactly that quality that draws craft people to craft products. Now, this finding does come with a, cu- a couple caveats. First, this tactic was not widely deployed at the time. And in fact, as I was c- kind of looking through our shells, uh, it's not widely de- deployed now their data set of 42,000 beer labels. Out of those, only 7% of the products had positive names, while 6.5% had negative ones. And the rest would suggest 80% were about neutral, which when I read that, I was kind of like, well, that seems kind of weird. I mean, with all like the random beer names, you would think that the number would be higher. So I went to work and did a completely unscientific like like looking down the shelf and i started to think well but most of them are kind of neutral like you know bells they named that dog dog yeah bell's two-hearted it doesn't it has fish on it maybe you could say oh positive because nature bale breaker top cutter is there and then a lot of them are just there's a surprise still a surprising number of beers that are just the name of the beer, the style. like, yeah, Freem West Coast, Occidental Pilster. There's a lot of those that are just here's our brand and here's what's in the can. Thank you for calling. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, so it actually, so when I was actually looking down the shelves and like mentally going, okay, positive, negative, neutral, 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 negative ish, neutral, neutral, I kind of see why they said that like 80% were about neutral. Um, and also, I, I I was also remembering back because, again, remember their data set went from 1996 to 2012. This was not quite peak craft beer. So I imagine there were a lot more beers that were simply brewery name slash beer style.
0: Yeah, I'd be curious to see like what the data set would look like 2012
1: to 2022. Uh, they also cautioned that. Probably trying to use this deliberately is not a great idea. The whole idea of of putting something slightly fucked up on the can is authenticity. But notoriously, when companies try to force authenticity, it doesn't come off as authentic. In fact, it can often backfire as you look like you're trying way too hard. Humans, mm-hmm. all things being equal, are pretty good at sniffing out bullshit when they want to, and and trying too hard is definitely something they. can't. I was gonna say, they can
0: sniff it out whether they want to acknowledge it
1: is whether the key. they want. I mean, I, I mean that comes with a caveat. Like obviously, people can are, are great ignoring any number of things. Look at our entire political landscape. All the things being equal, I think people go, that just. I've definitely seen those beer labels that just see, like, I feel like they're trying too hard. Yeah, uh, and no one likes to try hard. And, and, and nobody, yeah. And that's an immediate turn off. Uh, Deborah concluded, quote, My sense is that a lot of this is entirely subconscious on the part of the brewer, which is probably why it works. I think the brewers are just trying to be quirky because they, if they knew what really worked, uh, negative naming, then any, everyone would do it, not just 6.5%. And I suppose the point of all of this is to, is to advise people to go out and be their slightly fucked up selves. I want to stress the slightly part. I don't think you want to go full fucked up, uh, but you can go and be a little off kilter and it's not a detriment. In fact, it might even be a little bit of a boost. So you can't take it too far though. I mean, what's that? What what was the name? I I forget what you were, the, 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 what you wanted to name your beer, the, the fresh hop beer last week. Little wet, little drippy. That's one, yeah. I think that, I think any brewery that goes with that risks going that's the right about a fuck up. That's, that's, I think like just past that. Ooh, there is the line. There is a line right there that you just ran across. <laughs> but I like it. <laughs> I, I guess what I'm saying is be yourselves, but if you have someone like Tyler, don't listen to them when time time comes to start naming beers. <laughs> they don't have your best oh, geez, interest at I heart. A couple. <laughs> uh, Tyler, you want to bring us home tonight? Yep. Uh, so about a week or so
0: ago, uh, Anchor Brewing uh, released a statement saying that they are donating several artifacts uh, to the San Francisco Historical Society and the Smithsonian. Uh, in an effort to preserve their legacy of the nation's first craft brewery. Um, and they, in the statement, they stated that they closed in July after 127 years of operation. Uh, they've donated vintage science brewing equipment. So we found out what Sapp- Sapporo was going to do with their outdated shitty equipment. Uh, <laughs> artwork, pint glasses, and other artifacts to the San Francisco Historical Society, which is planning an exhibit of Anchor Brewing items. Uh, They've also donated charts, photos, blueprints, business records, and other items to the Smithsonian. Um, Basically in a giant effort to make sure they're not forgotten as they fade quickly into the night because... I'm taking this as the final nail in the coffin. Sapporo ain't fucking selling it to those employees trying to buy it back. That
1: fund fucking flopped. This bitch dead. Uh, I, I, I don't think you're wrong. I mean, it's... it's I think it's flopping on the ground waiting for somebody to come up and deliver the mercy kill. I I, I, I think that's... But... No, it's not even flopping anymore. It's now just
0: doing that like slow breathe. And it's just made its peace. It's like I'm dead. Uh it's gonna be now or in a few minutes, but it's it's yeah. The fat lady's out there and she's singing away.
1: <laughs> not just warming it's up. All over she's... but the crying. <laughs> Uh, I suppose suppose time will uh, time time will only fully tell. But uh, yeah, it's there's I haven't checked up on it recently. I think there's still uh, people holding out, holding holding on to that tiny sliver of maybe hope that somehow um, how somebody will donate several million dollars to lurch a, a, a failing uh, a brewery back into action, but I it's uh, uh, I don't think you're wrong. It's at this point in time, not looking good. Yep. So
0: if you want to go relive any time down memory lane, thinking of the fond beers you've drinking from anchor, you can go to the Smithsonian or <laughs> San Francisco historical society and then shotgun a beer in there by the brewing equipment
1: and be like, I miss you anchor. <laughs> save the save save one last anchor steam to shotgun in front of the <laughs> shotgun in front of the
0: corpse like, like say, feels
1: a little tone deaf but i'm down also this beer is like three years old and we probably shouldn't <laughs> this does not taste it like ass does not taste great aged <laughs> uh tyler anything else for us tonight that is it for me well, this has been It's All Beer. Uh if you would like to uh see my pathetic attempts at, at social media that are in no way worth uh two million dollars, I think worth maybe like five thousand. <laughs> huh? Dude. Two, two dollars. I take two dollars. I would, I would take. If you want to give me two dollars for doing the, our social media, uh, you can go see the fruits of that uh, of, of those efforts um, on our on our Instagram page, Facebook page. I'm still kind of like trolling around to see what, if anything, is going to replace Twitter or whatever the fuck that was. I still. Uh, we we still have it's all beer one on there, and I keep track of a few riders. But as it evolves into complete unfunction uh, 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 non-functionality, I'm I'm fairly comfortable with our our decision to go. Okay, there's no point in this shit anymore. Uh, but we're sort- just fading off into the night. <laughs> and so I'm I'm am sort of kind of looking for uh, uh, for a, a, another place to post stuff. So if you've got uh, suggestions on that but, uh, you can email us. It's all beer at gmail.com. Yes, please. Do my social media work for me because I am obviously shit at it. Uh, you can leave us a rating on uh, on on iTunes or Stitcher or Facebook or wherever you get this podcast. Um, there's a new one. There's like a like a brand new uh, 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 podcasting thing that I uh, uh, ran into. Well, Stitcher's it's over. now. now. Uh, Stitcher, Stitcher is over. I don't like keep on mentioning it. Um, I think just yeah. I think I've got this whole thing like memorized now, um, and I just go through it and i don't really even think about it anymore but you're right uh but there's a like a, a, a new podcast thing if i were properly planning this out i would be mentioning it uh although i was when i pulled it up I'm like oh i should make sure that we're on it and and then i did we are on it so uh, if you find this oh. thing that i'm speaking very vaguely of um yeah you, you uh, search it's all beer um or jeremy jones or tyler zimmerman i've actually found that the best way to find our podcast is to, is to is to type tyler's name in there than mine because mine is a, my name is a little bit generic so uh, uh yep <laughs> uh, look up tyler zimmerman and you'll be able to find our, our our podcast um and if you if there is a podcast platform that we are not on uh let us know and I will get to it eventually because I am on top of this. Really, two million dollars—I think I'm, I think I'm worth that. Uh, <laughs> that will be uh, quite enough for us. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. I'm gonna have a beer. Have fun.